I like that series, Rolling Music. It leaves me wanting a little bit more. <laughs> and sometimes in life, we just get sick of it. And we look around, we have many paths to choose from, heading all in different directions, taking us to different places. And there are voices, people, other folks down some of those paths, all those paths, and those people are calling to us, say, hey, choose this one, come down this path, this is a good one, come, come this way, asking us, begging us to follow different directions, different paths, places to choose. And we look around, we like, well, this one's a little steep, I don't want to go that way, this one may be a little bit easier, but over there, there there's a lot of people on this path, and, and it might be a, a little bit easier. But whichever path we choose, sometimes down that particular path, we get down it some bit of way and we look back and we say to ourselves, how did I get to this place in life? How did I get here? How did I end up so far down this path? And a lot of times it's those same moments that we look around and we are just sick of it. And when we are sick of it, we have a tendency to kind of pause and begin to gather some facts, some information. We have information, maybe it, it, it doesn't lead us to any difference, but we've gathered some facts. It's kind of like me getting information about losing weight. I find myself reading about the benefits of exercise and reading about how to lose weight and different exercises, maybe even different diets or eating plans. I'll, I'll gather all the facts versus actually exercising and dieting. Hmm, interesting. I'll even buy some equipment and then never get on it. You see, I've paid a price just never the right price, never the price of actually doing something. Oh, oh, it cost us, but there's never a return on that investment. It just cost us something. It cost us the time to think about it. It cost us the time to study about it. It cost us some money to buy the equipment, but it never is the cost of doing something about it. Therefore, if you're anything like me, you just get sick of it. So today we're going to get very, very practical. I mean, we're going to get some general encouragement and some steering from Solomon. But then we're going to turn the corner towards some very very practical steps that you can actually begin to take this week that might start moving you toward a real, a better direction, away from sick of it, or maybe through sick of it to the other side. Last week we said that choosing a behavior is choosing a consequence. Choosing an action is choosing a benefit. So one choice is making the other choice as well. And we said that life is full of paths, and each path, whatever you decide to take, it is leading to a very real place, a destination. It's a reality that you choose the place that you are in life by choosing the path that you're going to travel. Now, the first 11 verses that we're going to look at this morning, they, they give us a huge truth. Basically, we're saying this, that you create your future by choosing your path. And because of that, that makes you 
responsible. That's a big word. Let's, let's look and see what, uh, how Solomon begins to guide us this morning. Chapter 2, this week in Proverbs, we're going to start with verse 1. He says, my son, if you accept, and, and what he's not saying is this is not going to just land on your life. If you will bring this into your life, if you will accept my words and store up my commands within you. And it's not just a general, oh, I agree with that. It's to the point where you actually do something about it. And then he says, here's what you need to do. Verse 2, listening closely to the wisdom and directing your heart. Now, you know, if, you, if you've grown up, you have had someone in your life tell you this, when you weren't sure what to do. And a lot of times it revolves around relationships, strangely enough. You know what they tell you to do? Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And here's what you really need to do. If someone tells you that, just slap them. I mean, just, just give them a throat punch. That is the worst advice they could ever give you in your entire life. And here's why. You know what God says about your heart and mine? It is wicked. And not like, wicked! No. It is bad news. Your heart is going to misguide you and misdirect you every single time. Whatever you do, don't follow your heart. And here's what Solomon says, instead, you tell your heart what to do. You direct your heart. If you follow your heart, you're, you're going to be on the wrong path every time. He says, you direct it, directing your heart to understanding. And then Solomon goes on, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift up your voice to understanding, in other words, he's saying, if you will admit that you need help, God's help, finding the wise path. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver, this was back when silver was more valuable than gold. If you will seek it like silver and search for it like a hidden treasure. In other words, go after it. This information, this path, it's not going to land on you. You must chase it down and pursue it. And he says, if you'll do all of these things, then, verse 5, you will understand. And it's not going to be an understanding in your mind. It's not going to be a theory in your mind. You will understand from experience. And experience will beat a theory into the ground every time. You will understand from experience the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Now last week... We said a big part of that knowledge of God is coming to the place in your life where you connect two things together. You connect the things you choose with ultimately what happens. The choice with what happens. The choice with the consequence. The choice with the benefit. The choice, the path with the destination. He says that's real knowledge from God. Now, did you notice the order that this happens? Notice the order of how God works through this. He's saying, first, you choose to follow God's way, God's path. Then, understanding comes. And that's second, not the other way around. You see, we want understanding first. We want to understand. 
This is the why it's passed. This is why it should happen. We want to understand the logic behind it, the reality behind it. We want to understand it first. And then we want to make a logical decision. Oh, okay, with this versus this, yeah, I'm going to go this way. That's what we want. But God says that's not the way it happens. He says you choose to follow him, his path, his way, now and then later, the further you get down that path, then understanding comes second. You choose to accept his way first and follow his way. And then later, you say to yourself, oh, that makes sense now. I didn't understand it then, but I trusted and I went. But now I understand. Now I see. That makes sense? It's not the way we want it, but it's the way God works. Verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Now, here's a big point here. You see, you seek it. He's told us to and commanded it just a couple verses ago. He said, chase it down, pursue it. You seek it. I seek it. But we don't find it. And we don't discover it. It's not like we land on it and we discover it and say, oh, look what I found. Look what I've discovered. Doesn't work that way. You seek it as he's commanded, but he then freely gives it to you. He gives it to you. The wisdom, the wise path. But one thing is for sure. If you don't go after it, he won't give it to you. That's guaranteed. Verse 7. He stores up success for the upright. So if you choose his wise path, that's what's at the end, success. Let me be very clear, though, here. It is his success as he defines success for you. Now, he's not saying you're going to have a wonderful life, all your bills are going to be paid, everything's going to be great, and you're going to be prosperous. It's not what he's saying. You will have his version of success for you, as he defines it. And you know what part of that success is? He goes and tells you right here. He is a shield for those who live with integrity. He becomes your shield. God is with you on this path. Verse 8, so that he may guard the paths, so he is going to become the guard of this path of justice, and protect the way he will protect this path of his loyal followers. Solomon is saying God is actively guarding this wise path, protecting this wise path so it will be there in the future for those who follow it. Verse 9. Then, so if you do all these things, if... Then, then you will understand righteousness, justice, integrity, and he calls these together every good path. Solomon is saying, if you will follow his wise path long enough, one day you will understand. But following it comes first, and then one day you will understand and that makes no sense to us. You know what makes sense to us today? This is what we're taught today. 
Here, here's an example. They just say, well, just move in with your boyfriend. That's what you need to do. You want to make sure it makes sense to us. You want to make sure that you're compatible. You want to make sure that you can live. After all, you would just want to get married once. You want to make sure that it's right. So go ahead and move in and live as if you're married so that you can make sure this is the one. That makes sense to us. But God's path is, that's not God's path. God's path says, no, 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 no. You make the commitment first. You don't test the commitment to make the commitment. He says, you make the commitment. It's my plan. Now, that does not make sense to us. But what God is saying is you follow my path first, then later, down the road, down the path, you will get understanding. And someday you will look back and say, ah. That's why I didn't get it then, but I trusted and took the path. But now I understand more. That's why. Ah, now I get it. Solomon is saying we choose his path first. Understanding comes later. Verse 10. For wisdom will enter your mind and knowledge will delight your heart. In other words, choose the path and you're choosing the destination. Choose the path, the behavior, the action. You're choosing the consequence the benefit or the reward and he goes on with verse 11 we're going to pause here and just for just a moment talk about this discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you that is what is on the wise path that's it you choose that path and that's the destination you're choosing you choose the path you choose the destination and guess what? Because of that, we can clearly say this. That fact alone, that you choose the path, means that you're choosing the destination that goes with that path. This statement is true because of that. That makes you responsible. Me too. It makes me responsible. If you don't like what life is giving you, Solomon is saying, you are responsible. If I don't like what life is giving me, I am responsible. So let's get very, very, very practical now. You are responsible. And you either get that fact or you don't. And Solomon would say, please, please, I want you to be among those who get that. That you are accountable for your life, for good or for bad. You're accountable. Whether you're happy or sad, you are responsible. And this is so, so important. Let me tell you why this is so important. So let's just imagine, let's, let's just pretend that you are the doctor for your life. You are your own life doctor, life coach, life, life, life doctor. Let's go with that. If you don't accept the responsibility we're talking about here, you will misdiagnose every single problem in your life almost every time. And if you misdiagnose your problem, then you will write yourself the wrong prescription and you will mistreat the problem. If you mistreat the problem with the wrong prescription in your life, things will never, ever get better. 
Oh, you'll be busy. You'll be very busy following the prescription you have written to yourself, but it is the wrong treatment because you gave yourself the wrong diagnosis because you did not accept responsibility and instead you pointed your finger at someone else it's their fault or it's that fault of that circumstance or I just can't win for losing it's that's the reason that's the reason that's the reason you blamed someone else and that made you misdiagnose the problem so listen even if you think there can be no possible connection between your problems and your hurts and your life situation now no connection between that and yourself. Even if that's what you think, will you just for a moment assume that Solomon, what he is saying here, is right? And will you keep looking and keep digging into your life? If you will, you will always find a role that you played it's there always it's there you have to answer questions like this did I trust somebody blindly or foolishly if you're like me this is a big question did I overlook the warning signs and just brush them to the side did I lie to myself because I wanted it to be true did I choose what I chose for the wrong reasons or maybe we have to ask ourselves what did I fail to do or we have to ask why did I not take action sooner or we might ask should I should I have stood up for myself did I fail to ask them for what I really needed should I have walked away after the second date and ended that relationship before it went any further these are tough questions but they get to the very heart of the matter and it is this I am responsible Everything I have faced in my life up to this point, the worst of the worst of my life, I am responsible. It's me. I am. So in your life, are you sick of it? Is there any area inside of your life where you are upset? Is there any area inside of your life where you are excessively hurt or where you are angry and here's what I'm saying you must own those feelings and admit you're responsible for those feelings being present in your life because if you don't if you refuse to own that if you don't you can do nothing about the presence of those feelings in your life. They will stay. Those feelings will remain. And those feelings always get worse. 
Because contrary to what the national news networks say to you, you are not a victim. And right now, this very moment, you are creating situations that you will be in tomorrow. And last week, you created the situations you are in today. Now get this, this is tough. You are even creating the emotions that pour out through those situations. And it is true. If, whether you admit it or not, it is true. It doesn't matter if you don't admit it. It is still true. But here's the good news. If you accept responsibility, you can actually do something about it. Here's the first thing I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask you to do three things. Here's the first. This week, will you write down maybe three big things that have happened to you that have left you feeling mistreated? Will you write down those three things and then during the week, dig in and think about those things. How are you accountable for that result what choices did you make that made that possible what path did you walk down where that was the end result those are big questions you see at the very core of me and at the very core of you we we want to avoid all responsibility. And we want to blame someone else for why we have that result, why we are sick of it, why we've ended up there. We want to blame them or blame the situation or the context and say, I'm powerless. That happened to me. I, I'm blamed. And we want to blame. That's where we are. And it is that warped form of self-preservation that keeps us sick instead of making us better. Here's, here's another way to look at this. Let's say that, let's talk about your wallet for a minute. Guys, do a wallet check right now. Got it? Is it there? If it's not there, you're hitting the other side. If you keep it in the front, you start patting it. You're start, if you can't find it, you start looking for it. And you're doing your own little pat down. You're not arresting yourself. You're just looking for your wallet or your keys. Let's say it's not there. And you start to freak out for a moment. You, 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 because you realize it's got my driver's license. And you know what you went through that to get that. It's got your credit cards, your debit cards. It's got everything in there. And you're freaking out because you know you need the wallet. Every single day, you need the wallet, and you start freaking out. Yikes. And so you start thinking about, where do I have it? Where do I have it? So you think about it, it's in the car, and you're digging around through the car. You're looking at everything. You're looking under seats, and you're looking under everything. Everywhere you can look in the car, you look, and you're thinking, hey, well, it's not there. I've got I, I to look at the house. And you go to the kids' rooms. You go look in all their rooms. You look in your room. You look everywhere, and you think, maybe the kid toted it, picked it up off the counter, and took it and played with it in the toy box. You're taking all the toys out of the toy box. You're looking as... as 
diligently as you can. You go to your friend's house. You had it there. You're looking everywhere. You can't find it. And let's just assume that your wallet is actually laying on the stand at the baseball field, the softball field, the t-ball field. It's in the stands, just sitting there on that aluminum stand. That's where it is. And you're looking at your house and in your car, at your friend's house, in their car. You're in your kids' bedrooms. You're in the living room lifting up the sofa cushions, digging your hand down every crack you can find, looking in your kids' dive. You're looking everywhere. You can't find it. You push the couch out of the way. It doesn't matter how diligently you look in your house for that wallet or in your kids' rooms for that wallet. You will never, ever find it because you're looking in the wrong place. When you live your life Trying to find the cause of your problems in other people. You will never find the cause because they're not there. They're in here. They're in you. You will never fix the problems in your life by pointing at someone else or a situation or a government or a boss or a job. You see, you made the choice. You trusted them. You took the job. You let them treat you like that. Or you ignored it and pushed it to the side. You married it. You consumed it. You settled for less. And some of you are thinking a very serious question that that I've thought too. Some of you are thinking, well, Harley, what about what happened to me as a child? What about that? Am I responsible for that? Is that my fault? Let me be very, very clear. You're not to blame. You can't change the facts. That's a fact. That happened to you. It really happened. You can't change that fact. And while you were, you may have been or you were powerless as a child. And therefore you are not accountable for what happened to you. You're not responsible for those events. Now today... As an adult, you do have the ability to choose your response today, now, to those childhood circumstances. So today, you are responsible if today you allow that past to ruin your future. You are responsible for what you do with it from now forward. Is it fair? Is it fair that you have to deal with that 
No, it, it, it's not. Is it fair that you have to manage that and your response to that for the rest of your life? No, it's not fair. But you are accountable for how you manage your life today. You choose a behavior. You choose a response. And you are choosing a consequence today, good or bad. Now think with me. This goes way beyond even your actions. Your thoughts... Your thoughts are behaviors as well. And you choose the thoughts that you are going to dwell on, that are going to settle into your mind. You can't choose what flies through your mind, but you choose what you allow to settle into your thoughts and what you will dwell on. And when I choose a thought that I will dwell on, I am choosing the consequence that goes along with that thought. And I am responsible. Here's the second thing I'm going to ask you to do this week. I'm going to ask you to write down five of the top negative things that you continue to tell yourself. Five of the negative things that you continue to tell yourself. You see, you choose what you're going to say to yourself. You choose what you say in your mind about yourself and about other people around you, about your needs. You choose what you're going to think about and what you tell yourself about those needs and about your rights. You choose that. You see, you're talking to yourself all day long, every day. You would think we would get tired of listening to ourselves, but we don't. We talk to ourselves all day, and those self-harming thoughts become our reality. And there's another step beyond that. You see, what you say to yourself has a great deal to do with how other people around you experience you. What you say to yourself has a whole lot to do with what other people see in you. Now the next 11 verses in this chapter give us this foundation for this huge truth, and we're going to call it reciprocity. In other words... You are going to get out of life what you bring to life. You're going to get out of life what you bring to it. What you present in life is going to be what you get out of life. Sometimes in the Bible it's called the law of the harvest. What you plant in life will be what you harvest Every time. Now Solomon in verse 11 had just told us that discretion, the end of this path that he wants you to choose, that discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. He goes on, verse 12. These things then rescuing you from the way of evil. 
from the one who says perverse things. In other words, if that is what they are planting in their life and the lives around them, evil, perverse things, then that's going to be what they harvest. That's going to be what they get. What they bring to life is going to be what they get. And God says, I want to rescue you from that. Don't plant that. He goes on. Rescue you from, verse 13, those who abandon the right paths and walk in the ways of darkness. If that is what you plant, that's what you're going to get. And God says, I want to rescue you from that. Let's plant something different, not that. He goes on, verse 14. Rescue you from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion. He says, I want to rescue you. If that's what they're planting, that's what they're bringing to this life, that's what they're going to get. I want to rescue from that. I want to rescue you from those, verse 15, whose paths are crooked, whose ways are devious. Verse 16, it will rescue you from a forbidden woman, from a stranger with flattering talk who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Verse 18, for her house sinks down to death. He said, that's the end of that path. If that's what you bring to this life, that's what you're going to get out of this life. I want to rescue you from that path, he says. Down to death. Her ways to the land of the departed spirits. I want to rescue you. He's saying, be careful what path you choose because... What you choose that path, with that destination, you are responsible. And then he goes to verse 19. None who go with her, none reach the paths of life. When you're choosing that path with that lady, you're like, hmm, that is a sweet path. You're going down ahead, I'm going to follow you. That is nice. That's where I want to go. I'm headed down that path. I don't know where you're going. I'm going here. And he says, you think that's the path of life? You convince yourself it's the path of life. You see the warning signs and you push them away and you go that way anyway. He said, it's not life. It's death. And when you choose the path, you are responsible Be careful, he's saying, because what you plant in this life is what you will harvest every time. You know what that means? That means that the style with which you live your life, it comes back to you. It's the law of the harvest. You harvest what you plant every time. Now let's get very very super, very practical. Your style of dealing with people, it is your go-to style of how you interact with people will dictate what you eventually get back. And you may be sick of how people are treating you, You may be sick of how other people respond to you and you may blame others and point the finger and complain about their reactions to you. But in a very real way, 
You create that by the way you interact with people around you. Let me give you some examples. These are just some examples, just a handful. But here's what I want you to do with these examples. I want you to try to recognize in these examples some of yourself in these examples somewhere. But what usually happens instead is that we give ourselves a pass and instead we recognize someone else we know. It's like, oh yeah, that, I know that person. <laughs> yeah, I know them. Oh, that, yeah, that's so-and-so. That's, that's granny. <laughs> I know them. Okay, let's put that aside. Let's look at ourselves. Here's the first example. We're going to go with the skunk. Man, the skunk. They, they raise a stink about everything. I mean everything. I mean they find a problem in everything. And they really want people around them. But nobody's ever there. They don't want to get too close to the skunk. I mean the skunk is quick to be offended by something somebody says or does. And they raise their tail. And they're aiming. They're looking. Who's going to, get, who's going to be my target? Who's going to get the spray? And everybody else, they're around. They keep the skunk at arm's length or, or, or spray distance. They keep a safe distance away. And the skunk is baffled. Why, why don't people want to be around me? Why aren't they around me? They don't understand that when they act the way they do, the world around them responds to them like that. Here's another one. The lost puppy. They, they roll over. And they, they whine a lot. When you walk up to a mistreated dog, they just kind of tuck their heads and they whine and eventually roll over on their backs. And some people are just like that. It's just they, they believe that in life that there are winners and there are losers. And I will always be a loser. And it's usually because some winner is keeping me down. There are strong people and there are weak people. And I will, I'm just always a weak person. I can never get ahead for being behind. And they make it very clear that in this life, I expect I'm going to end up on the bottom. And then the world around them gladly keeps them there. Here's another person, the top dog. They are kind of the self-appointed royalty of the dog world. Uh, the, the top dog thinks that everyone around them should be very interested in every detail of their lives because they're so important. And they are so self-important and they are so arrogant that what actually happens, the people around them actually celebrate when something goes wrong in the life of the top dog. Because they say to themselves, they deserved it. They needed to be knocked down top dog then there's the cannibal the cannibal their goal is to control everyone and everything and they force their way into managing not just their life but your life and anywhere and everywhere your responsibilities get anywhere close to theirs they reach out and they try to manage that as well and they are pushy, and they're demanding, and they are blunt, and they devour people, and they eat them alive so they can get whatever it is they want to get. That's the cannibal. And people run from them. And the cannibal doesn't understand why nobody wants to stick around them very long. 
Here's another one. The mama full of drama. Oh, the mama full of drama. And this can be guys too. So I guess for a guy, it would be the guys stuck in Broadway. (laughs) For the mama full of drama, no life event is ordinary. Even the ordinary ones. On one hand, everything they have ever done is better than anything you have ever done or ever will do. And on the other hand, everything that has happened to them is way worse than anything that you have gone through. Every sickness they have is the worst thing the doctor has seen. Every slight life pothole becomes a devastating fall from a cliff for them. Everything that is said to them is either the sweetest, kindest thing they've ever heard, or it's the rudest thing that could possibly have ever been said. And soon, everybody around them doesn't believe anything they ever say. And really, eventually, no one cares to hear anything they have to say at all. Here's the next person. They know it, and they blow it. Here's what I mean by that. They know the answer to everything. And they have experienced it all, or at the very least, they understand it all. And they are all too happy to open their mouths and blow out all their calculations. They all come spilling out, and they want people to admire them. And if you admire them, they want you around. But if you disagree with them, well, they will attack you until you admit the error of your way and you agree that they are the God of all understanding. They know it and they blow it. Here's the next person. This gets a lot of us. The plague avoider. They avoid the plague. I mean, they avoid the truth. They don't want to deal with it right now. When times are difficult, they avoid the truth. They avoid it like it's the plague. When they need to deal with something and get it done, they put it off for tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. And the people around them get so tired of doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Of dealing with the things they should have dealt with. Of trying to get them to deal with the things they should have dealt with. And eventually there's no one else around them because they are all so tired. And they don't understand where did all the people go. Here's the next one. Half empty but fully alone. This person is the glass is always half empty type people. They're negative. They're going to say it. Whatever it is, it's just going to come out of their mouths. And it's usually negative. And nobody wants to hear it. If they don't think it'll work, they're going to be the first one to come and tell you why this will never work and give you ten reasons why your idea will never work. And this person whines and whines and complains and nothing is ever right and nothing is ever really good. And that's why they become fully alone. Here's another person. It's a long name. 
This person is the let's talk about it and talk about them and them and I'm going to talk about them and them and them. No more explanation needed. Here's another person. How about the jack-in-the-box? Sometimes it's music and sometimes it's the scary clown. (laughs) And you don't know who you're going to get. On any given day, at any given moment, sometimes you get the nice guy, and sometimes that pops out all nasty and scary. And you never know from each turn of the handle what you're going to get with that person. So, eventually, you just quit turning. There are dozens and dozens more Styles with which we interact and we deal with people. Our go-to styles. Your style in life, the way in which you have chosen to interact with people, contributes to what you get back from other people. Because what you plant is what you will harvest every single time. Solomon And Proverbs gives us a different style of life. And by the way, it's also the style of life that Jesus gives us. When you say you're going to follow his way, the way of Jesus gives us another style of life. You talk about a different path. That's it. Solomon throughout Proverbs and Jesus in the New Testament... Jesus tells us that those who remain on God's wise path have a different style of life, a different way of interacting with the people around them. They are planting different things. This style of life, they act by looking out for the interest of God first. They interact by looking out for the interest of others. Not by looking out for number one, for themselves. And Solomon goes on to say, this way of life, this path, listen to what he says in verse 20. So follow the way of good people. This Jesus way. This God's way, God's path. And keep To the paths of righteousness. Verse 21. For the upright will inherit the land. Those of integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land. And the treacherous uprooted from it. I'm going to ask you to do this third thing this week. To get very, very honest about what you are planting into the lives of other people around you. What is your style of life? Now today, we've asked you to do three things. I want to recap those very quickly. Here's the first. We ask you, will you this week write down three big ways that you feel like you have been mistreated and then dig in and find how did you participate in that outcome? Second thing. Write down five negative things that you keep telling yourself. Those things that are keeping you on that path. And here's the third thing. Write down 
what style of life you are planting into the lives around you. Are you sick of it? In any area of your life today, are you sick of it? If so, here's the two big points we talked about. Remember these this week. One, you are responsible for where you are in life. And here's the big point number two. What you bring to life is what you get from life. And both of those things have everything to do with the path that you choose to take. Let's pray. God, at some point in each of our lives, we are just going to get sick of it. And God, in this, help us to pursue your truth. Help us to chase down, God, your wise path. Because we are creating our tomorrow today. God, help us to connect the outcome in life directly to the decisions we make and the thoughts that we choose to have. May we take responsibility for where we are right now. And Jesus, help us to understand that the style with which we have been living and interacting with others is determining what happens as we interact with others. And God, we ask that you would help us to move toward your wise path, the path that looks out for your interest, Father, and the path that looks out for the interest of others instead of ourselves. Jesus, we ask you to give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard and give us the courage, Jesus, to do it. And it is in your name we ask these things. Amen.